We're beginning chapter 7 today of the Bhagavad Gita. The Yoga of Knowledge and Discrimination. We've just finished Dhyana Yoga. And now Krishna is bringing us to Jnana Yoga, which is really the true understanding of reality itself. And so let's see our first verse. The Blessed Lord said, O Partha Arjuna, hear how by following the path of yoga and absorbing yourself in my consciousness and taking shelter wholly in me, you will realize me wholly as I am, both in my infinite unmoving self and outwardly with all my attributes and powers. Knowing me thus, you will transcend every possibility of doubt. It's an important last statement here, every possibility of doubt. And that's a lovely way, a simple way in a certain sense to um, define Jnana Yoga from this slightly negative perspective, which is the absence of doubt, rather than only thinking about it as being full of wisdom. It's when there's not a shadow of any anything that says, I don't know what this is. I don't know why this is happening to me. I don't know what's going on around me. I don't know why Narayani is acting this way. I don't know why people misunderstand me. Whatever it is, whatever that I don't know why, and this is, of course, not prideful as if I know everything because the only way we get to this state is by absorbing ourselves completely in my consciousness, in that infinite Krishna consciousness, which, as he's saying right here, comes by following the path of yoga. So Jnana Yoga is not its own thing where we're thinking a lot about oh, what is reality and what's the nature, of course the process of questioning can be used as a tool to arrive at clearer understanding. But the way Krishna is saying is, until you're not absorbed in me, it's, it's not going to happen. And how does Krishna want us to know him? Not just in his infinite self, but through all my attributes and powers, which is what? The entire manifested world. This is true Jnana Yoga, which is everything is God. There is nothing, there has never been anything, there never will be anything that is not of God, that is not God. Every atom, our Guru said, vibrates with that infinite divine power. And so this is what Krishna wants to reveal to us in this chapter. So it's really exciting. I am about to unfold truth to you in its entirety, both as theory, because for us, this is all still theory, and as intuitively realized experience. So Krishna, once again, this is the Jnana Yoga game, right? A lot of theory exists and we need this theory to guide our thinking process. But also intuitively experienced realizations. That's going to be a key part of the testing of these theories, which comes through deep meditation, through that absorption directly into consciousness. So we're not having to go always through the bullock cart process 
of reasoning it out. If we can get to that state of vibration that is God, everything else reveals itself to us as God. However, Krishna, being as kind as he always is, says, we'll go with theory and we'll go with intuitive, realized experience. Armed with this understanding, there will be nothing left for you to know in all the world. Verse 3. I love this one. This was one of our guru. He often uh, kind of quoted this verse. Thank you. Among thousands of men, scarcely one strives for spiritual perfection. And among those blessed ones who seek me, scarcely one out of many thousands perceives me as I am. Our Guru would quote this more simply and he'd say, out of a thousand only one seeks me and out of a thousand who seek me, seek me, only one finds me. So he was making our odds better. Here Krishna's odds are a little harder where he'd say, among thousands of men, how many thousands? I don't know. Scarcely one, scarcely one. He's not even saying fully one. Scarcely one strives for spiritual perfection which is strives to seek God and among those blessed ones who seeks me scarcely one out of many thousands perceives me as I am so if we're looking at percentages here we're in the one is to many many millionths and of course our guru would joke and say our percentages are better with Kriya Yoga (laughs) so uh, those of us on the path of Kriya Yoga, you know, we could we can take a few zeros out of this equation. But even then, it's a it's a big number, and this is a twofold realization we need to have. One, the realization of deep joy, a little pride, even perhaps, and gratitude that we are in fact one of these many thousands who are seeking spiritual perfection who are seeking God and Krishna himself is stating it's 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 not common at all it's not meant to be common this is a lifetime's journey that we have earned we've reached this point having earned having experienced the ups and downs of life and in the experience of the ups and downs having found that neither the up nor the down it really brings us any semblance of fulfillment of course the down never does but it's also the ups that don't and in the down we've also found hidden in that down God's presence in fact often it is when we've suffered the most that we felt closest to God in a certain way because when we suffer we're finally willing to surrender we're finally willing to kind of remove our masks, our protections, remove our, uh, you know, wrongful thought processes because we've seen it's just not working. I can't think my way out of it. I can't fight my way out of it. Finally, we turn to God. So even in the lows, we've perceived him so we know of him. And now we earnestly seek him. What Master said, that story takes very, very... It takes very, 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 very good karma even to want to know God. Didn't Krishna say something just in the previous chapter? If you remember last week, let me just see what does he say? Something about the intel. Oh, even one who seeks only a theoretical understanding of yoga 
is highly is more highly advanced than those who are dedicated to outward scriptural rites again that's another one of those blowing your mind even if you are just theoretically philosophically saying yeah yoga cheese kya hai that already means that we've made so much progress and so here we are amongst the thousands were seeking perfection were seeking him and then of course he says amongst those many thousands scarcely one perceives me as i am now it doesn't mean amongst this group over here only one of us scarcely one of us no our percentages are better and all of us this is the other side of it is to say i want to be one of those guys to that deep gratitude is wonderful to say here i am wow you know i'm honored to be one of those but now we need a lot of power a lot of will power a lot of determination to want to say i want to be one of those guys because krishna the odds krishna is giving are not in our favor earth water fire air ether the perceiving mind which is manas man discernment which is buddhi and causative self awareness which is ahamkar such are the eightfold divisions of my manifested nature prakriti now krishna is revealing to us what this reality is that he said i'm going to now give you the entirety of reality so he has begun and where does he begin he begins with the theory in this particular case of creation itself of how this consciousness manifests where is it coming from what is where is god in all of this and he of course talks of the elements earth water fire air ether and he talks about these three principles which is man buddhi ahankar the perceiving mind the discernment which is the discerning mind and then of course the causative self awareness now this is true for us of course we know we have ahankar we know we have man we know we have buddhi we know theoretically we're made up of these five elements but krishna is not talking about us individually he's talking about the universal do you know that the universe has ahankar as well what is the universal ahankar called maya that conscious force that says i am separate from god and draws us into separateness further and it's also been put out so first and all krishna is just saying all of this is me none of this is not me including the ahankar something that we often consider bad negative you know to be overcome which is true but why is it to be overcome because krishna again he's talking about these states of manifestation this is universal states that satchit ananda that unmoving cosmic infinite bliss far removed from all manifestation that aloofness of being that very consciousness has manifested and become this through the vibration and so even if we look at big bang the very you know so called beginning of the universe it also from that singularity comes the entire universe and it followed the same stages it followed ether which was pure vibration which is that first ohm that begins to separate from the unmoving 
then comes air which is the nebulas those gaseous formless you know aspects of the universe then they gain more you know the vibration the frequency of the ohm within them awakens and begins to agitate even more that forms the molten heat that brings together stars and solar systems that then become the liquid molten states as they cool into some shape in the form of planets and then finally they harden to become matter itself so what we're talking about is the spirit's descent through the various gradations of vibration of ohm and in that exists also the man the buddhi and the ahankar and so our journey here this is not just krishna talking about the descent he's also essentially laying out how ascent takes place back into consciousness back into spirit which is we know that that vibration came down through our chakras it came down through manifested from above down below we know the into matter and so we're going to ascend the same way now we're going to ascend earth water fire air ether ahankar buddhi man spirit and so that's the journey we're going to now take back but this downward descent is as much part of god as the upward descent such is my lower nature now krishna says and he calls it the appara prakriti this lower aspect which is the outward manifestation of vibration itself understand now o mighty armed arjuna that my other and higher nature which is para prakriti sustains the soul the jiva which is individual consciousness and sustains also the life principle of the universe so again krishna is always giving you the dualistic representation of that infinite spirit in creation which is one that manifests and is creation the solidity of creation itself and the other is the spark of the life principle within it's like our body a dead body and a live body what's the difference they both they all have organs they all have everything the body is exactly the same and that one is a para prakriti the lower aspect which is the outward form and then one the alive body is enlivened by the para prakriti which gives life to the jiva to the soul which is the essence of that vibration vibration manifests so you can either tune into the manifestation itself or you can tune into the vibration within that creates manifestation and both forms are available to us to tune into god that's why krishna is saying i want you to tune into me wholly entirely not just ah oh, god is spirit but god's also this harmonium god's also very much every atom in my body and i need to tune into god is in the disharmony that exists god is in the harmony that exists and until and unless we don't wrap our minds even intellectually around the fact that everything is god it's going to be very hard for us in meditation alone to find and experience that state know that all beings both the pure and the impure are born of this twofold prakriti i alone beget and dissolve the whole universe again just duality 
begetting also, dissolving also. And these two forms of Prakriti. I love the terms, the pure and the impure. Of course, again, Krishna, he's so impersonal. He's not, he's not really judging people and boxing people into somehow these are the worthy and these are the unworthy. These are the good people and these are the bad people. It's very, he's put it so beautifully. The pure and the impure born of this twofold Prakriti, which means what? The pure are those who are trying to use Prakriti to get to Paraprakriti and the impure are the ones who are being drawn out more and more into the Aparaprakriti, more and more bound by. So if I only think I'm this flesh and these bones and my desires, then of course I want to fulfill my desires. Of course I want to give in. Of course I'm going to protect only myself because this is who I am. But the moment we tune into the fact that ah, behind everything is God's you know, inner essence, that's what I want to know. And then naturally all our actions, our intentions, our thoughts become attuned. So it's just a choice. Which of these two prakritis, which is both the manifested world, which of these two aspects are we going to tune into? O Arjuna, there is nothing above me nor beyond me. Through all things, as through the gemstones of a necklace, runs the thread of my all unifying consciousness. Such a beautiful mm -hmm. image. Through all of us, we're those gemstones. Everyone, not just everyone, everything. And through it all, just it's a beautiful image to just hold. Through it all, that thread of God uniting all of us into that one experience of His bliss. That's what He wants. And that's already present. We're not looking for it. We're not going to find it somehow. We're not discovering it. It's just there. We're choosing it. That's the big thing we have to realize. It's choice. And that's the human state, isn't it? A state of choice. It's no longer a state of compulsion. It is a state wholly of choice. O son of Kunti, I am the fluidity of waters. It's just like that chant, in the river I am restless. I am the light of the moon and the sun. I am Pranabha, Om, in the teachings of the Vedas. I am the silent roar of the cosmic sound in the ether. I am the manhood in man. So again, he's just talking about behind it all. I am. Inside it all, I am. Enlivening it all, I am. I am the wholesome fragrance of earth. I mean, just so beautifully he's put these things, the wholesome fragrance of earth. The moment I think of this term, it's like, you know, when it's just rained and you're outside and the soil's wet, you just get this fragrance of the earth just wafting up. That's God. That's Krishna right there. I am the radiance of fire. I am the life of every creature. In holy ascetics, I am their austerity. Know me, O son of Pritha Arjuna, to be the seed of all creatures. I am intelligence in the discerning. In those who are glorious, I am their glory. 
I mean, these are the words. This, this is how this book... It's like, you can't think this stuff up, you know? Unless you can't just sit with these words and just feel them and experience them in the glorious I am their glory. I mean, how beautiful an experience it is even to want. Wow, what is this? How can I tune into God? That is why people often, you know, want to separate the spiritual from the material, the good from the bad, the virtuous from the evil. And here Krishna is telling us, I am it all. And through it all you could find me. But that is why he's established before this, the path of yoga, the dhyana yoga. You see, he's not, he's not come to this early on where he's just saying everything I am, so just give in to whatever you want. He's already established what yoga means, how we must handle ourselves, how we must behave, what is expected of us, what are the ways in which we can tune in and experience the essence of everything. But then he wants us to expand ourselves and not even box ourselves just in that, ah, oh, inside, inside, I'll do it all. What about outside? God's not created this universe by mistake. No, this is all there to remind us only of him. Among the powerful, O oh best of the Bharatas, Arjuna, I am power without personal ambition and attachment. Even that, I mean, just the subtlety of it. I am power without personal ambition and attachment. That's the power. That's what Krishna is trying to say to us here. For those of us who are seeking power, which is, you know, we're all seeking power in some form of the other, whether it be through money, whether it be through influence, through authority, through whatever it is, parents over their children, children want power over their parents, spouses want power over each other. I mean, we, this is something that we just, we know we need. And it's because we can, we have God's power. So when that opportunity comes to express that power, we naturally want to. But this is where we can seek Krishna through that power. That if there is, if it's power you seek and if it's power you have already, then I am power without personal ambition and attachment. If you can get to having and experiencing power with no personal ambition or attachment, there's Krishna. So even through the route of worldly power, we can find him. I am that sexual desire come in men which is in keeping with dharma, righteousness. Amazing. I am that sexual desire. Not I'm not sexual desire, even though that too is God. But what Krishna is trying for us is in through these things seek that highest essence vibration that enlivens that desire in the first place then having once enlivened we can choose to go through the aparaprakriti route or we can use the paraprakriti route and of course krishna is asking us to aspire for the higher so but he's telling us in i am that sexual desire in men which is in keeping with dharma and righteousness because for all of us in the previous chapter, again, let's look at the, which was this, I think 14th or some such thing. Where are you? Ah, in the previous chapter of Dhyanayo, Krishna, of course, says, serene and fearless, 
steadfast in his vow of brahmacharya sexual control so he's constantly <laughs> kind of contradicting himself but here again he's saying because for all of us our dharma which doesn't mean oh this is what you're meant to do you're meant to have sexual desire means the route through which righteousness can be expressed which means we can in fact overcome our desires through fulfillment in many cases and we've all had an experienced fulfillment in every form of the desire to recognize that in it nothing exists and so krishna is saying even through sexual desire when it is in attunement with dharma which is individual here if it's in attunement with your dharma you know doesn't mean it's it he's talking about indulgence in any way if when it comes in attunement the sexual act can be in attunement with dharma and it can be completely out of tune with dharma and that's where we try to find him and then a certain point comes where the sexual act's not needed at all because we're already experiencing god in a much higher frequency the sexual act is of the second chakra is of the waters which is very close already to the solidity of this world as we open up as we rise as we get to the fire as we get to the air we leave behind that lower manifestation but even through that manifestation you could find and perceive krishna the yogi freed oh sorry i'm in the seventh word <laughs> i've moved back to a chapter where was i so now 712 we're about to start thank you 12 no know that all manifestations of sattva which is the elevating rajas the activating and tamas the darkening qualities emanate from me so he's saying know that the gunas emanate from me they exist in me though i am not apparent in them which means i am not defined by them it's almost thinking about the way swami ji puts it in the in his expanded version of the gita he talks about an actor where an actor has to play all sorts of roles say for example he has to play the role of an alcoholic now having expressed perfectly what an alcoholic may look like behave like act like yet in real life he could be completely a sober perhaps never even haven't touched it himself so it exists in him but in no way does it define him and that's again an understanding for us is oh, i have to go beyond the gunas in order to truly experience god even in sattva krishna is saying you won't find me there fully not even defined in the most elevating in the highest of these vibratory compulsions upon which nature itself is created deluded krishna says by the three qualities of the gunas of nature mortal beings do not perceive me ever changeless and beyond all qualities it is indeed difficult to waken from my cosmic hypnosis now <laughs> this is where krishna himself is saying well i know it's really hard <laughs> to awaken from my cosmic hypnosis he's owning up completely he's saying i did this i've hypnotized the entire world and i know it's really hard 
to awaken from this cosmic hypnosis of mine. Instinct as it is with the three gunas of Maya. Only they who take shelter in me can find freedom from the wonderful power of illusion. From the wonderful power of illusion. Even Krishna is talking of his, the very delusion in Maya that he's asking us to kind of move away from. Even he's talking about it as this wonderful power because it's so attractive. I mean, it's just, you know, no matter how many times it has disappointed us, no matter how many times we failed at it miserably, there it is. We're just drawn to it. And Krishna is saying, it's hard. This hypnosis that I've created, this magnetism that I've imbued Maya with by the virtue of these three gunas, they've become so instinctual in us that very few can find freedom from this wonderful power of illusion. And here, the only truth that exists is only they who take shelter in me. And this is what this entire chapter, so where we'll take a moment to truly reflect on these words. This is what this chapter is about. True wisdom is not knowing, is not understanding, is not comprehending, you know, these wonderful, lopsided, often contradictory theories and principles and concepts of the divine, not to be able to quote even the Gita, not to be able to expound the intricacies of the scriptures. The only thing that Jnana Yoga ought to be drawing us towards is God is everything. God alone. Us. That's, if we can stay in that, then we have a shot of breaking this hypnosis. Other than that, you know, just by this kind of dogged willpower and just by sort of, you know, okay, I'll sit and I'll do this and, but somehow I'll separate myself from the world, it won't happen. It's the complete embracing of Krishna in every form, but in its highest. This is not an excuse to give in, to indulge, to say, Ah, oh, Krishna, Krishna is in sexual desire. Wow, this is amazing. You know, no, no, no. no Krishna is in money. Krishna is in power and money. Chalobai. You know, just know what he's trying to tell you. Don't fool yourself. Don't try to fool him. But find him in everything. See him in everything. Oh God, beautiful. And uh, find that gratitude, especially today, that he is in fact in everything, that he's never absent from our lives, no matter what. For many of you who may know a little bit about Swami Kriyananda's life, you can see he went through so many tests, obstacles, challengings, um, challenges sorry and you know so many ups and downs so many things to really break through overcome you know his own karma and face many difficulties 
at the end of his life, he gave so many interviews in so many countries. I happened to be in one of those interviews where the person was asking him several things. So at the very, very end of that interview, uh, this person asked, Swamiji, just, just tell us anything. I mean, if, if, what, if, if you could give us uh, the last message um, about your life, what that would be. And Swamiji says, without even thinking, Life is beautiful, <laughs> just like that. And today through this talk, what I want to remind, remind to each one of us, when we start perceiving everything that comes to us as something beautiful, life itself has so much to offer. And yes, sometimes a very good approach is not to get entangled with life, but there might be other times where we really need to embrace fully and consciously and perceive that beauty, that creation that God has manifested for each one of us um, to find Him, to seek Him. So if we learn those dynamics and those interactions that we need to develop with life itself. And rather than reject constantly everything, why not to experiment with this other approach that life indeed is beautiful. And I can now <laughs> recognize that achievement that Swamiji um, achieved, which was the um, consciousness of perfect unity with everything, where no matter what he went through, at the end, the only thing that he really felt at the end of his life it had nothing to do with the sorrows, the pains, the tests, but he brought with him the consciousness of life is beautiful. And of course, it wasn't just life, but he perceived God's beauty through this life, his own life. So with this understanding, and adding this holiday of gratitude. Perhaps this week we want to focus only on that, of how beautiful everything around us is. The beauty of our own life, the wonderful things we yet need to explore the gifts that we yet, uh, need yet to open and discover, and how we can constantly appreciate and make an outward even um, action, gesture, word, to be grateful for the shelter, the 
homes we live in, our health, our clothes, our friends, our spiritual practices, the food that we have every day at home. I mean, absolutely everything. So perhaps this week, let be all about gratitude and every day find a reason. And if you don't find a reason, find an excuse uh, to be grateful for and express that. The more we express that gratitude, the more we will keep attracting not only the material things, but the consciousness that everything is beautiful, God is beautiful, and everything that we do, it's taking us to that beauty itself.